Hey there. Is today your first time here? Or maybe your first time in a while? If so, maybe you're wondering exactly who we are and what this church is all about. Well, we'd like you to know that we're a group of ordinary people who are on an amazing journey together following Christ. Our guide is the Bible because it's the divinely inspired Word of God and it will never take us in the wrong direction. Along the way, we hope you'll see that we are welcoming and spiritually passionate and that getting to know you is a big deal to us. We know that the road is rough sometimes, but we'll work really hard to bring you practical and relevant messages to equip and encourage you through life's ups and downs. We want you to know that we care about this community, and we believe that it's our job to make it a better place. So, no matter who you are or where you've been, we're glad you're here with us today. And we hope that you'll join us on our journey, following Christ and living out His plan for us. So, welcome to church. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. Will you stand with me? Awakens, awakens me Your love is greater 
come to prayer time. Let's just lift our voices again. Sing. song I want to read you guys the band will keep playing I want to read you guys a, uh, a verse here if you guys see me on my phone back there I was trying to pull up this verse uh, and you know one day whether it be today tomorrow a thousand years down the road whatever the case is when we go to see God in heaven this is the song that we will be singing to him as well You know, Scripture talks about how we store up treasures in heaven while we're living here on earth. And I could imagine the day that I go to see Jesus, that he would say, here's all the treasures you stored up. Here's the crown you won and the rings and check this out. Look at all this. And the moment that I see all that, I'm going to say, here, let me put it at your feet because you are the Holy One. You are the Almighty One. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 to 14, it says this. And I want to... You know, as I was reading this, even this morning, playing the drums, I, th- I think of some of the events that took, that, that came on by this past week, how it can leave us in a hopeless situation sometimes. I mean, literally, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I just, I'm going to pack up the family and the kids and I'm going to leave the country. You know, is what I, is, you know, the thought that came to my mind for a moment. So as I read this, I, I want you to be reminded of, of just for a brief moment, of the, maybe that hopeless situation that you might have felt for this country or for the world, really, when you look around. It says, then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written with it and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I think of the hopeless state that this angel was feeling. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll of the seven seals. When there is no body and there is no hope that this world can give to you, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And when we sing a song like we sing right now, Worthy is the Lamb, you know, it's such a repetitive song. But I'm telling you right now, church, we could sit here for the next five hours singing the song, and it'll never be older, it'll never make him less worthy. He is still worthy of our song and worthy of this song. 
And that's why worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. So if the band could, could we, we kind of dig back into that song real quick. And if you would just stand up. And honestly speaking, such a dark week that we're coming out of right now. And just such, it seems like this. Could be some dark times. Can we just look to him and sing this in prayer? Can we just sing praises to our God in prayer for a moment? We don't even ask him anything, I promise. He knows exactly what you need. You might have came here this morning with a need. He knows exactly what it is. But let's just take a moment to praise him. And let's let that be our prayer this morning. Jesus, there's not much more to say than how worthy you are. May we lift you up this morning in our hearts as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, Uh-oh. hey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Some people that I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see you again. I won't say your name on the air, Yuri. Uh, but <laughs> good to see new faces and old fa- familiar faces. Sorry. Uh, I'm learning. I'm learning. Very young, familiar faces. My name is Garen. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my uh, joy to serve with you because we are all called to serve, right? So it's my joy to serve with you, along with a lot of great pastors here at the church. And I want to give you a couple of announcements. The first one is, welcome. That actually isn't the first one. The first one is, hey, happy Memorial Day. We are thankful for um, people who are willing to sacrifice their lives, aren't they? Aren't we? And, uh, As Christians, we know that there is one who paid the ultimate price, but we also know that there are many that have laid down their lives uh, for freedom, and and so we are thankful. And I don't want to brush over today, even though I guess it's technically tomorrow, but thank you um, if you um, are related to someone who has served and is a a fallen soldier, thank you for your sacrifice as well. Um, We we are eternally grateful for the opportunity to live in a, a land that um, this can be done in open. It doesn't mean that the church wouldn't survive if it weren't able to be done in open. It just means that we are grateful for what we have. So thank you. The second announcement is next week. Oh, if y'all know anything about churches, you know churches are all about potlucks. And if you've never been to a Pionaz potluck, you are in for a surprise because this one is actually really good. Um, I've been to a lot of potlucks that I left going, what did I just ingest? <laughs> what did I do to my body? Not the case here. This is some good stuff. And so we're going to have a potluck next Sunday. It's going to be the first Sunday of every month for a few months at least. And so I invite you, it's going to be at noon. So you can either bring something or we're usually done by about 11, 15-ish. You could run through a drive through and come back and bring some food and maybe bring an extra sandwich or an extra piece of chicken so that you can share with someone else. And we're going to have a good time just connecting again. Um, we've lost so much time, it feels like, with COVID, not being able to sit around big tables and connect. And so that's what we're going to do next week. Next week is a potluck. And the third announcement I'm so excited for. I'm going to call Jason up, and I'm going to let him take care of this one. But this is good news. Well, yesterday was the highlight of my week. As, uh, as our brother Butch. Butch, come on up here. We're going to embarrass you today. You, got, you have to, man. This is part of the, this is part of the ritual. Uh, Butch was baptized yesterday. It was a phenomenal time. Here's a video you want to see right here. I'm a, I am a little disappointed. I asked him to let his ponytail out and kind of shake his head like, you know, like a supermodel when he came up. He didn't do it. But, uh, brother, I am uh, I'm grateful to, to be able to walk with you on this journey. And I have something for you that not even Jesus has. And that is a picture of his own baptism. <laughs> so I want to present this to you. It's a, a picture of, of that time where you can just remember it. Thank you. Let's, uh, 
I just want to say I'm proud of you, Butch, and uh, I would like to have a word of prayer with you right here. <laughs> Father, I thank you for, for Butch's journey, the whole journey, the crazy stories, the hard times, and the good times all together. They make him who he is, Lord, and I praise you that uh, we walk together as brothers in your name now, and that we as a family, we, we pledge to hold Butch up as our brother in you. And uh, we just look forward to the witness that he's going to be as uh, he just, man, he's lived a great life. And those, those times, those experiences, they're going to come out where he's going to be changing lives in your name, Father. But once again, I thank you for his, this brother that has been one to your name. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Now's the time we, oh yeah, yeah. To tell or get Ray up to tell how it all came about. Because it's awesome. Ray? Come on up, Ray. Do you know it? I don't know the story. Yeah. Uh, I got a hundred stories. You, someone else better tell uh, so, it. So, Ray was talking with Butch and said, hey, have you been baptized? He said, no, but I'm thinking about it, and I really, I, I'm thinking maybe I need to. And so, Ray was out of town, and Butch was out of town, and when they both got back in town, he called him up and he said, hey, you, you want to go with me to a baptism on Saturday? And Butch said, yeah, I've never been to one. That'd be awesome. And Ray said, awesome. Be sure to wear your swim trunks. He said, oh, are we all getting out in the water? He said, well, you are because you're the one being baptized. I'm I'm thankful. You know, we were talking yesterday. um, A lot of what happened yesterday is the result of years of people investing in the life of Butch. And so... Um, that's what we're called to do, and we don't always know how it's going to come to fruition and what the fruit's going to look like or how long it's going to take, but God is always working, and so we're thankful for that. So, Amen. All right, well, let's stand together, greet each other in the name of the Lord, and uh, come by and say hi to Butch and welcome. Okay, thank you. This is the part where you stand up and say hi to each other.
Alrighty. Alrighty. Amen, amen. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yes. So, uh, man, I was, I was, I was so, I was, I was messed up. I thought I was going to come up and do passing the peace. I had the whole thing playing out. You know, I was like ready to do it. Y'all done pass the peace, man. You guys did a great job. Um, I know what it was. Listen, you guys knew what was coming next. You knew offering was coming next. So you guys are trying to like prolong it. I was like, hey guys, ready to, and you guys are like, Keep talking, just keep talking, keep talking. No, I think of, I think of you know, the way that Ray set Butch up, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we got a baptism coming on. It's going to be you. You know, I was reminded, and I don't, I don't really, I, I didn't go up thinking I was going to say this, but, you know, this, people say this sometimes when it comes to offering, so I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it because I heard of it before, and it was kind of cool, and then I never got a chance to really use it, and now I got reminded to use it. So this was it. This, okay, so listen, we're in a time of offering. It's time that we give back to God. We get to worship him, right? Now here's, here's, here's what it is. You guys never heard this? It's going to be kind of cool. It's kind of nice. All right. The church has money, but it's in your pocket. Ah, that was pretty good, right? That always has a good catch to it. You know, so every now and then somebody gets up on a given time and they're like, hey, we got the funds for this, but it's in your wallet. It's in your bank account. And so this is a moment. This, I, I, I don't know. I, just, I, I had to use it because it someone's getting baptized. It's you, Butch. The church has got it, but it's in your pocket. No, guys, we get to come to this opportunity, and it's a joyful one. It's, one, it's an opportunity that we get to give back to God, um, and we get to just give to him and his kingdom. And, you know, I'm reminded as I come up and, and, I, and I have these opportunities to, you know, kind of lead the church in this moment of offering, I'm, I'm always reminded of how much God has done for me in my life. How every single moment he has provided. I know I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I want to just reiterate it because now it's, it's done. The, what has come has passed already now. You know, my landlady walks in one day. We started renting my house and with a couch in there. And it's a nice, good couch. Nice, heavy-duty one. And my landlady says, Justin, you, I need to sell my couch. And I'm like, okay. But really in my head, I'm thinking like, man, now I got to go buy another couch. They're expensive and all that kind of stuff. The next day at work, my buddy's talking about how he had to wait a year to get his couch in. And how it was all this money spent $7,000 on a couch. And then he said, yeah, the last one I spent $9,000 and it's in perfect condition. I said, oh, what are you doing with it? And he goes, for you, Justin, I'll give you for free. And so Jason, this last week, I think, he came by and helped me and we loaded up in the house. So I got a couch in the house that cost more than my car. But the point of it is that God always provides. And, you know, I never asked anybody or anything like that, but God is always a provider. So let's, we're reminded of that. Let's thank him for that and, and as we come to this time of offering. Lord, we thank you so much that we can never outgive you. You've given us every little thing that we possibly need and more. And so, Father, I pray right now here that you would bless this time that we give to you, Lord, that we would give with cheerful hearts. And, Father, that we would be a church that is generous to your kingdom and that we would see your kingdom move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
So yesterday at the beach, I mean, it was awesome. And one of the things that I loved was the Broken Chains group that was there. They never miss an opportunity. And so we're heading off the beach, and I see just, I see them scattering to people on the beach that are just there out for the morning, and they're handing them these prayer rags that, and praying with them. And I'm just like, how amazing that they never miss an opportunity to connect people to Jesus, or at least to pray with them and, and plant a seed. And so um, it's a serenity prayer. Oh, stop it. So, uh, uh, y'all, this week has been a crazy week. And as someone who taught in the school system for almost a decade, my heart, um, I don't know, I just, I've felt it this week. Um, I texted some of our teachers the next morning just to let them know I'm praying for you. Um, I know the anxiety that happens when something tragic takes place, and uh, I'm heartbroken over what's happened in Uvalde, um, moving here from Texas, um, such wonderful people, and to have this tragedy happen, and parents deal with the unimaginable. Um, it's the worst shooting since uh, Sandy Hook, which we'll be celebrating, not celebrating, we'll be remembering um, 10 years this December. Um, and so I w- I've been struggling all week. You know, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're doing, we're, we're progressing through, and I just felt like my heart's not at ease. And so I started watching different pastors and their responses. And Dale Schaefer, our, our district superintendent, uh, posted a sermon that he preached a decade ago uh, when dealing with um, thoughts that he had with Sandy Brook. And it resonated with me because it's what I was feeling. And so I, I texted him and I was like, hey, I'm not going to use all of it, but could I use some of your thoughts? And he was like, absolutely. And so a lot of what I'm going to say, we're going to, we're going to deviate a little bit from the Sermon on the Mount, but I just think that in light of our situation and our circumstances in America, it's a good time. And so I want to talk about the concept of being speechless, but not hopeless. I feel like that's kind of where I found myself this week, just, uh, just stunned. Just, I don't even know what to say. And so next week we're going to be uh, celebrating Pentecost, the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be an exciting time, but today I felt like maybe we should just sit with where we are. And I was thinking back, uh, you know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, and if you've been with us for the past year, when we've been going through Matthew 5, I've said over and over again that the focus of the Sermon on the Mount, the focus of the ministry of Jesus is actually found in Matthew 4:17, where it says that Jesus went around saying, repent in turn, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the focus of Jesus. That's everything he did. Telling people, repent, turn around. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. It's here. Take an honest assessment. Take personal inventory. Ask for forgiveness. Seek, seek this transformation that God is promising. Repent, which means say you're sorry, and turn, which means I don't want to do that anymore. That, that was the focus of Jesus. 
But Matthew sets up the focus of Jesus one verse before, and we haven't talked about this yet, and he's quoting from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, we get the promise of Jesus. We get this um, identity for humanity. We, we get this, this promise for a brighter future. And Matthew quotes Isaiah and says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. I don't think we would have much of a debate about the fact that we live in darkness. We live in dark times, don't we? And I don't think there would be much discussion And we would all agree that what happened this past Tuesday was nothing but evil. And we know that Jesus came into the world to bring light into darkness. And Jesus 2,000 years ago was coming into darkness. It was dark times then, but we know that through the cross and the resurrection that the light has dawned. And that God's light will restore all things and make all things new. That's what Revelation tells us. The new Jerusalem. That that God will restore and redeem what's been lost. And his light is even now working. That's why we say you're the light. And I'm the light. Because the light of Christ even now. There's this... There's this already not yet tension that we have because the light already came. Jesus already died. The sins are forgiven. Death is overcome. And yet we have this tension because there's still darkness in this world. The light hasn't been fully realized. Are you with me? So there's this already and not yet. We have this promise that in the future, someday God will make all things right. But right now we have this tension between light and darkness. The light's already come into the darkness, but the light hasn't been fully realized. Sin has already been defeated, but sin hasn't yet been fully destroyed. And so it's in times like this that we feel speechless. But we're not hopeless. I've said this hundreds of times. We are people of hope and not despair. So while we struggle with what's been happening, we cling to the truth that the light has come. The light is coming even now, and the light will come again. So I just want to speak pastorally to you for just a minute. Um, You know, what's what's our response when things like this happen? And and I, I had a couple of things that I was thinking through. The first question is, you know, and this is just, this isn't the sermon part. This is just, are schools safe? Isn't that the first question that a lot of people asked? It's like, how, how, how is this possible? I was listening to Z88, and uh, they were talking Wednesday about how thousands and thousands and thousands of parents were pulling their kids out of school the last two weeks because they didn't feel like it was safe. Uh, Then I turned over to NPR radio, and 
and they were talking about how this was the 27th incident of school gun violence in the first 21 weeks of the year. And there is a danger of relying on anecdotal evidence in moments like these. Because we can take pieces and formulate any opinion or thought that we want. And the news is very good at this. The news is good at spoon-feeding us exactly what they want us to hear. And if we're being honest, the news sources have become extremely unreliable because they're not here anymore to tell the truth. They're here to generate revenue. And so they will tell us whatever we want to hear that will get us riled up and get us hooked into the next hour. And so we would be better off turning off Fox News, MSNBC, NPR. We would be better off spending our time reading our Bible and praying than we are listening to what's filling our minds. But even if we choose to listen to the news sources, because we need to be informed people, when I was in school and doing English stuff, we talked about how you got to have at least three to four sources for it to be common knowledge. If it's not that, you got to cite it. I would encourage you, don't get your information from only one source, because as you listen to multiple sources, you will start to see, huh, okay, multiple news sources are saying this. Maybe that's something true and not just a spin that the right or the left is trying to do. So if you're going to listen, I encourage you to listen to a wide range. So I Googled this past week. There are 98,000 public schools in the United States servicing over 49 million students. The chances of a student being in a gun-related situation is far lower than being in a car accident or being hit on their bicycle or or being struck by lightning. So are schools safe? Well, yeah. In general, they are. And let me stop real fast for you teachers, because I've been there. Thank you. You've found yourselves needing to be more than just information givers. You've been put in bad situations and you've handled it like troopers. Thank you for protecting our kids. I'll tell you, one of the things that broke my heart is a text that went out. I I texted Susie and said, send this to the teachers because I want them to know I'm praying for them. And she posted on Facebook a conversation that she had with a parent asking, how safe is it here at Bright Beginnings? And, And basically she said... I can give you no no guarantees. You know our safety procedures. The only thing I can promise you is that our teachers would step in between someone that's dangerous and your students, and they would give their lives for your child. And I sit there and I think, no teacher should ever be put in that kind of situation. And so teachers, thank you. In a week you're getting some time off, and I hope that you can decompress. And I hope that you can regather, and I hope that, that this doesn't turn you off to shaping minds because you're heroes, and the stress that you work under is intense. So are schools safe? Yeah, and if we're being honest, they are. 
But then the next question that always comes that we need to address is, well, then why, why do these things happen? And I don't have an answer for you. What happened was evil. People who walk in darkness do dark things. When you see evil happening, it's not happening at the hands of people who walk in the light. It's happening at the hands of people who walk in darkness. Because people who walk in light, which is who we claim to be, don't do dark things. Those that walk in the light do light things. Those that walk in darkness do dark things. Those that walk in light don't do dark things. And those that walk in darkness don't tend to do light things. And I'd be foolish, there's a group of us here, I'd be foolish to assume that every single one of us is walking completely in the light. And so... um, let me just say to you, you got a choice today. I think of Deuteronomy 30 when Moses is standing in front of the people. He's given one of his final discourses. And uh, the, my Bible, the heading says, a call to return to the Lord. So this is Moses talking to the people of God and he's calling them to return to the Lord. So there may be some of us here that say, Wow, at one time, yeah, I was walking in the light, but if I'm going to be honest, I don't know. And Moses would say, you got two choices. you got life and you got death. Oh, that you would choose life. Not just for you, but so that you and your descendants will live. If you're having thoughts that you can identify are maybe dark, I encourage you to find someone to talk to. A counselor, a pastor, a friend, a neighbor. But don't try to, don't try to go through this alone. Talk with someone. So why did this happen? It happened because we live in a fallen world. And we will still see ripple effects of our fallen nature until all things are eventually made right. And we believe that God will make all things new, don't we? So so what do we do in the meantime, in this liminal moment between that and there? We pray. Can I encourage you? We've been in a time of prayer from Easter to Pentecost, which is next Sunday. Can I encourage you? Pray, 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 pray. Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. Just everything you're doing. Not just before meals, not just before you go to bed. Pray, 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 pray. Talk to God. It doesn't have to be long drawn out. It could be whisper prayers. Sometimes all I can do is whisper the name Jesus. And that's my prayer. And that's okay. Pray, pray. Pray for the hurting this week. Pray for these poor families whose lives are altered. Pray for our nation. Pray for hearts to be turned to God. Pray for our community. Pray for poor Orange. The second thing we can do is not gloss over this, but we can take time to grieve. And can I tell you something? Regardless of where you stand on the issue, this is not a time to talk about gun politics. Whether you're for or against, 
this is a time to grieve. I think of when Job lost his family. He lost his, uh, he lost his crops. He lost his animals. And his friends came to him. And boy, they got a lot of stuff wrong in the book of Job. But one thing that they really got right, Scripture says they sat down with Job for seven days and didn't say a thing. They sat with him in his grief, and they were just there with him. Can I challenge you, because this is going to be an issue for a long time, can I challenge you just for maybe the next seven days, maybe till Pentecost, just say, you know what? I'm taking a break from politics, and I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to grieve with people. I may not be able to be with them in Texas, but in my heart, I can grieve with them. So we pray and we grieve. Your presence in those moments will be much more transformational than your words would be anyway. I know in times when I've dealt with tragedy, it wasn't somebody telling me, oh, that's horrible, or, well, you should have done this, or it's going to get better. It was the person that sat with me and cried with me and just stayed with me. Your presence is ministry. So that's your first challenge. Take a break for seven days. Your second challenge is this. Sit with people before they get that far down the road in pain and in darkness. Now, this isn't a big, like, everybody should be in church, but I'll tell you, this is why I come to church, because I need community. I need you. And when you're not here, I miss you. I need to be connected with people who think similar than me. We don't have to agree with everything, but we have core beliefs that we agree with. And so we have a community. And so I come to church, not, well, I come because I'm paid and I kind of have to as part of the job description. But even if I weren't the pastor here, I would come here because I need the community and an online experience is a poor substitute. And I would not want to trade community for convenience. So I come to church because I need to know that I am connected to the body of Christ and I need to know that, well, it's like Drew and I talk all the time. If I'm in an emergency, there are a dozen people I can call at the drop of a hat and I know that they'll be there for me. And that's because we're a community. That doesn't happen in the outside world. I mean, it may to some extent, but not like it does in our community. Isolation leads to desperation. And so as you see people and as we become a community and as we grow closer to each other and as we connect with each other, when you notice someone hurting, ask them how they're doing. How about we do a little preventative work before, we, before things get too far derailed, okay? All right. Thus ends the pastoral part. Just my little ramblings. And I'm going to abbreviate the rest of it. We're going to be in John chapter 16. And my computer is in the shop, so I don't have anything for you. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to your, in your Bibles or you can pull them up on your phone, uh, version, or whatever Bible app you have. But we're going to be in John chapter 16. And we're going to talk about, well, how can we deal um, with these tragedies? And we're not just talking about what happened this past week, but we're talking about loss of a loved one, loss of a job. Broken relationships, sickness, disease, when, when relationships end, when people move away. Look, just when we're dealing with tragedy and loss, 
How do we deal with it? And in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. I've told you all this, and now what is, what is all this? Well, in my Bible, this section is in the upper room right before Jesus is going away and is going to be crucified. And it's in a passage that scholars have labeled, sadness will be turned to joy. And so Jesus is in this, in this moment talking about how it's going to be hard. No one has promised health, wealth, and prosperity. The, like, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And Jesus says this in verse 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. I've told you this thing, these things, so you have peace in me. If you have a Bible Bible, I encourage you, I've done it in mine, I encourage you, circle that word, those words, in me. In me. It's only in Christ that we will find true peace. It's not in our friendships, it's not in our jobs, it's not in our relationships. Every other place where we look for peace, peace can be taken from us. But Jesus promises, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And so if you want peace, it's only going to be found in Christ. And so I want you to circle in me, in Christ. I told you that there's going to be problems, but it's okay. You're going to make it if you're in me. Why do we need the peace of Christ? Because we will have many trials and sorrows. I have that underlined. It's going to happen. Rain falls on the just and the unjust. I heard it said that there is, that that may be the most accurate seven-day forecast you will ever hear. (laughs) Troubles will come. Unlike the weatherman who has a 50-50 chance of getting it right, let me tell you, in this world, you will have troubles. That's just the way it is. We live in a fallen, broken world, and pain is part of it until Christ makes all things new. But we believe that Christ will make all things new, and so while we may be speechless, we are not hopeless. And so that is why we can take heart. And I drew a little heart because... I figured I needed to finish out the, the writing in my Bible. Take heart. There may be weeping in the night, you know, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus has overcome the world. Our pain is not final. There is one who has overcome sin and grave. So they can overcome, he can overcome anything that you're going through. And so you can have peace because regardless of what you're going through, if you are in him, you can take heart in him because he has overcome the world. So let's bring this in for a landing. There are three things that I hope that you will remember today. Number one, I hope that you remember how much God loves you. And I know we say that a lot. And honestly, just about every time I pray, I say, God, thank you for your love. Like, that's where I start off. And so it can become 
kind of something that just becomes routine. And we can say, oh, yeah, we all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Yeah, but I hope that you truly understand that you are loved by God and that there is no limit to the extent that God will go to reach you, that there is no distance that God will not travel so that you can be reached. And God's grace, God's spirit is going before you even if you don't even realize it yet because God loves you. When my girls were younger and they got hurt and they'd fall down or something, who did, what did they do? They ran to mom and dad. And very rarely did I be like, ooh, that's tough. I will admit, sometimes sarcastically, I would say, what did we learn? <laughs> but that wasn't the right thing to do. The truth is, when I knew that they were seriously hurt, I, wouldn't, I would pick them up in my arms, and I would love them, and I would kiss the boo-boo, and I would tell them it's going to be okay. It didn't take away the pain, but they knew that they were in Daddy's arms. And if I was really, really in it, I, I would get down to their level. I would tell them, it's okay. Daddy loves you. Can I tell you that you have a God that loves you so much that God was willing to come down to your level to show you how much you are loved? Don't ever forget that. There is no distance, no depth, no heights. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing. I was always told when I'm writing, never use absolutes. But nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears today, nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. You want to know how loved you are? You can't get away from it. There's nothing that can separate you if you're in him. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Our Lord. Number one, remember you're loved. Number two, remember that God's with us. God's with you. John 1.14 says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory. We've seen his glory because he became one of us. The glory of the Father's only Son. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, and God became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Our God is with us. And here's, here's the frustrating. In our pain, we often wonder, is God with us? And if you... Think that way when you're going through pain. Can I just give you some tough love? You're thinking wrong. And you know it. And let me prove it to you. When my kids were little and we would play peekaboo. 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 I don't know why I'm doing the high voice. I think that's what I do with little kids. Peekaboo. That kind of sounds creepy, doesn't it? I'm sorry. To the kid, to the little child, you've disappeared because they can no longer see you. Oh, there you are. It's magic. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, there you are. It's magic. Where'd, where'd you go? There, there's um, a famous person called Jean Piaget, and he dealt with children development, and he talks about a concept called object permanence. 
And it's the ability to realize that something is there even if you can't see it. So while at two, it might be, oh, where'd you go? Oh, there you are. It's a, it's a miracle. Oh, where'd you go? At five, if you try to do that, the kids are like, I, I know you're there. You're not fooling me. Because we learn that just because we can't see something doesn't mean that they're not there. I know my parents are in Ohio. I spoke to them three days ago. I haven't spoken them to them today, but I'm pretty sure they're still in Ohio, even though I can't see them. And yet, how many times do we say, I'm going through a hard time. God must not be with me because I can't see him or feel him. Which may be an indicator that our faith is the faith of a baby. Maybe we need to grow up our faith a little bit. And maybe we need to realize that just because I can't see God and just because I can't see God moving or feel him or I don't get the warm fuzzies when the band is singing or the pastor is boring or I wish he would tell more jokes or I don't feel God on Tuesday when I'm driving to work or when I'm working the machinery or whatever doesn't mean that God is not there just because you don't feel him or see him. It's just not true. God is with you in your joy. God is with you in your pain. There's a song that's out right now by Mendisa called He is With You. It's a great song. Google it. But it's wonderful. He's with you. Just because you don't see him or feel him doesn't mean he's absent. And we need to mature spiritually to the point where we develop spiritual object permanence. God loves you. God is with you. Third thing is, God can use even painful situations to bring beauty. Hear me, I am not saying that God is the creator of a lot of the pain that's going on in this world. But I'm saying that God can use anything to bring about the glory. Let me give you an example. I bet you, if, if I were to ask, I'll bet you there is someone in this room that is probably wearing a cross around their neck, in their ears, it's used as a bookmark in their Bible or something. I'm guessing that there is a cross somewhere in this room. If not, there's one right there. We see the cross as a symbol of hope. We see the cross as a symbol of salvation. We see a cross as, as a symbol of resurrection. You notice that some, some faiths have Jesus on the cross. Jesus is not on the cross. We have an imp, a empty cross because we know that Jesus is not there. That is a symbol that means an awful lot to us. But if you were to go back 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified, the cross meant something extremely different. The cross meant despair. The cross meant disgrace. The cross was for criminals. The cross was for scandals. The cross was used to kill people, not to bring life. The cross was for shame and humiliation and to tell you that you will not be above the Roman government and we will prove it to you by putting you on our tool of death. And a lot of historians say that the cross was the most horrific tool of death in the history of humanity. 
And yet God took something that was extremely painful and turned it into something beautiful. The cross reminds us that God has that ability. God never wastes a crisis or sees a situation as unredeemable and the cross is the proof and if god can do that for the cross redeeming something and making something that is not beautiful and that is horrid into something that's beautiful god can surely do it in your life and my life if we will let him you're loved you're not alone and you're being transformed from ashes to beauty. So as we close, can I challenge you this morning? It's so easy for us to ask the question, why? And that's not a wrong question to ask. When trials come in our lives, when the jobs don't pan out, when our relationships break, when that person says, I don't want to be with you any longer, when your boss says, we're overlooking you because we're going to hire someone else, whatever, When disappointments come, beyond disappointments, when you get the call from the doctor, when you get the call that someone you love has passed, the dreaded C word, it's easy to ask the question, why? Can I encourage you as people of hope, called to go deeper and ask the question, what? What is God doing in this situation? What is God doing behind the scenes that I can't see? What does God want to do in my life? What does God want me to do in this situation? In what way can I bring God glory in this tragedy? It's not that the why question isn't important. It's just we're called to ask the question what? We're called to go one step further. The why questions come naturally, but the Christ follower asks the questions what? Because we want to see what is God doing? Because if I can find out where God is moving, I could join in God's work. And I could be his hands and his feet to bring beauty out of the ashes. This is the reason. When tragedy strikes, we may feel speechless. But we are not hopeless. Because in this world, we will have trials and sorrows. But we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Amen? Jesus. This week has struck a chord with me that maybe it hasn't with others, but being a former teacher, my heart went out to those 98,000. The fear, the anxiety, the frustration. Like, why should this even be an issue? Then the willingness to still go into work on Wednesday and say, and yet I will sacrifice myself to keep 
these students safe. I've struggled this week, Jesus. And I confess that I've gotten stuck on the why a lot this week. But I know that you love us. And I know that you're with us. And I know that through the tragedies that have transpired over the past seven days, that you are already, even now, working to bring beauty from ashes. And so I praise you in advance. Because I know that you are good. And I know that you love us. And so when I can't see the, the path, when I don't understand your, your plan clearly, I choose to have spiritual object permanence. I choose to believe that you are still here and you are still with us even in our sorrows. I pray that you will help us to sit with people in their grief. And when it is time to speak, it's my prayer that we will be people that offer hope. Because we truly do believe what's on our sign. It's not just a slogan. Jesus, we believe that there's hope for all because you are for all people. May we live into what we say we believe. We pray this in your name, Jesus, the victor. Amen. Well, we're going to have time of communion here. We're going to do like last week. And um, we'd like to all take it together. So... Uh, what we're going to do, you ever go to the beach and you see those riptide signs? You know, it shows how the riptide works. That's how we're going to do this. You're going to all funnel up this way. When you get into the ocean far enough, you're going to peel off and go, go back to your seats like that. You know what I'm talking about now, right? So that's how we want to, distri- that's how we want to distribute this. But then I want you to hold on to it as we just talk about a couple of things as we share this time together. All right. Well, we just got one, so. More than How dirty do you think the stadiums are? <laughs> Literally dripping. I really appreciate that. Alright. Just rub it in, just rub it in. Just rub it in. Can never be too careful. No, especially not during communion. Alright, well. All right, I'll go ahead and I would like to have you line up here. Come on up the middle here. um, And then hold on to it so that we can take this together. All right.
This that you hold in your hand right now, if we want to talk about weapons, this is the greatest weapon of all time. We're told not to fear what can break the body, take your life, but fear that which can make you lose your soul to the evil one. Some of you may not like to hear this, but I know why things are happening as they're happening. This is not a Christian nation. There are many Christians in this nation. But the people that are our leaders, their number one priority is not Christ. Many of our teachers, who I love and I have been one, their number one priority is not Christ. The people doing these evil acts, they are not followers of Christ. And if I am relying on them to step foot in here, they're never going to know Christ. We are armed with a weapon, a Savior who said, I will give up everything for you so that you can know that death is defeated. Don't fear that which will take your life. None of us is going to beat that, I promise you. Hasn't happened yet. Well, a couple times. Those are Bible stories. That, uh, in modern times, I don't know anyone who's beat death physically. But we have the promise of living for eternity as we give our lives to Him. Right, Butch? We have that promise. Eternity. And as we take the body the blood, and we step outside of these doors as we go to a hurting world, a hopeless world, a world that is fatherless or motherless. People that are pushed around. People who are hungry. People who are hated. There is a weapon that destroys all of that hopelessness and brings real and true life. The only true life there is. So as we take this, know that Jesus, he said, I don't care what you do to my body because you're going to lose in the end. Just watch. I don't care that you will shed my blood. And as they shed his blood, sin was then in forever for all those who wanted it. That sacrifice takes care of everything for eternity. So don't go out of here hopeless. Go out here armed with the greatest weapon of all time, and that is the love of Christ, the love that forgives the greatest of sins. All right, so we've got two layers here. So I ask you to take the bread and know that Jesus, His body, was broken for you willingly because He knew that there is more to life than just these bones that eat together. And as they put him on that cross, it wasn't wooden nails that killed him. It's not iron that kills. It is the hopelessness that we live without Christ that brings evil to this world. And as they put him on that cross and as they sacrificed him, I really think he was thinking the joke's on you guys. Because I know that what's next 
and I will be back and I will show you that love reigns eternally and sin does not defeat it. Let's drink together and know that he has defeated death. Father, there is none like you and I pray just as some of us wanted to take up arms maybe, I myself, to go and stop some bad guys. Lord, might we actually find the boldness to go out and love those who are not loved. To step outside of these doors and now say the journey begins where we follow you, Jesus, in ways that you've called us to. Lord, I know daily I encounter people who know nothing about you. I know that you say, how can they know about me if you don't open your mouth, Jason? How can they be loved if you don't love them, Jason? I know that you say that to me, and I pray that you will help me to realize that more, and I pray that all of us will come to see that, Jesus, your love is not known if we don't love as you have instructed us to. These buildings, they'll fade away. The music will be out of style in a week. The language might even go, but your love endures forever, Lord. And might we really be your soldiers of love. We praise you, Father. And we praise you for the forgiveness of sins and for the promise of life eternal. All of it to your glory. Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? If you are um, a member of the church or a a regular attender, um, we need to have a little housekeeping meeting real fast after the service. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you that you came and and worshiped with us. I pray that you sensed God's presence and God's peace in this place. Um, We're we're gonna be out to greet you in a second, but we have a little housekeeping. Uh, But we finish every Sunday singing uh, our benediction, and so will you join me as we sing? We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Amen. Go in God's peace. If you're a regular, stick around here in about 90 seconds. We need to talk to you. Um, But shake hands with people around you before then.